0: Abba, Abba Father, my Lord God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your treasury again to share your truth, knowledge, and wisdom for any that would listen and hear, my brothers and sisters, encourage them and lift them up. And whatever applies, Father God, if it isn't something to admonish then they would be able to hear and understand that it's coming from love, not judgment. The enemy judges, condemns, ridicules, belittles. This comes from you, Father, and love to strengthen, to uplift, and encourage. Because you're a good, good Father. Amma Yahweh. Yeshua Amma. Parakletos Am. Thank you father. Today in our plane of existence is a a day towards celebration and <laughs> sadly, of course, as a child I caught caught up in it, but our Parents <coughs> those of a different day and time, and my parents celebrated on this plane of existence in those ways, but also explaining what the meaning of the time frame is, and it's got nothing to do with a bunny rabbit hopping around with. Dragging behind some kind of a gizmo so he can stash hidden goodies for children to come and find out on Easter morning. And it isn't about a little portly magical elf that can deliver gifts on the temporal plane of existence overnight over the entire planet. This is a thought-provoking time, and so it should be, as in reality, all those holidays should be. Because there are still many people in the world, and many children in the world that don't sleep in a bed, they don't sleep with covers, They sleep huddled up with one another or as close to their parents as they can get because they're homeless or they don't have enough for toys. They don't have enough for the heating bill, the electric bill, because mammon has become so caught up in money. The reality of it is also is that the treasure is not where it should be but here, on this plane of existence. Driven by having, having, having. More, more, more. Temporal, temporal, temporal. So this... (coughs) episodic adventure is the tale of two men. You have, well... in reality, more... because one was two. Two had become one. You scratch your head and you say, what is he speaking of? And I say, I am speaking about our Lord Jesus, who is the King of Heaven, crowned prince of the Kingdom of Heaven. We have the ability to be heirs and join heirs with him. And yet he took on the guise of man, and came here and walked on this earth as a man. And then, of course, you have the other, that TikTok social media influencer. Oh, yay. I've seen a couple of these. There's actually one that I relatively like to watch because he's doing good things, but Then on the flip side of the coin, he's always in front of that camera. And he's looking right at it. And so it's kind of a hard place. Why is he doing this? But yet his followers stay high. His numbers stay up. And he has sponsorship and they pay him to keep making these videos. And then, of course, this is part of the reason that you have so many out there that are driven by this doggone little square thing that's powered by a charge that you put in its special little battery. And then when something's happening where they need to step in and do something, it's more important for them to be filming. And anything at all that happens when someone raises their voice or there's an audible bill accent, you don't even see anyone running to aid Or running to help or running to summon first aid, and they're not even on the phone that they're carrying in their hand and dialing 911 to get help there. What are they doing? They're filming. They turn this thing on and they're walking around the automobile accident and they're filming it. Or if they talk to somebody, oh, gee, are you hurt? Oh my gosh, it looks like your arm's coming up. And what are they doing? They're self-videoing. They turn that stupid screen and they're filming while they're talking to this individual person. Are they really paying attention? And they look back and forth. I I have seen this. I've witnessed it. This is what this plane of existence has degraded to. I'm just glad that every single person on this planet isn't about that. Oh my gosh, what a... It's already a dark place, but how important is that? And who is influencing that? The prince of the air. This is the other pseudonym that is attached to Satan. The enemy. The destroyer. The deceiver. The liar. Fear. Lucifer. Beelzebub. The prince of the air for his capability to manipulate the very thing that we breathe to make music. Do you think that they call him that for no reason at all? I am glad that the air that God breathes into our lungs comes straight from him. Ah, My goodness gracious. This is... So, this tale of two men. The one you have, the influencer. And it's a special weekend that's coming up. And the city gets wind of the fact that this social media influence, this TikToker, or whatever they call themselves now. The instant grammar, or whatever. I, I don't know what they even, the terms they use. Maybe I should talk to some of these millennials that walk around and just have no idea what's going on around them at all I had to engage one in my work last night and this I was thinking to myself is this a joke is this some kind of a joke the re the reality of this young man in there but it also broke my heart at the same time because at his age he should have already been aware of so many things and I mean The age that he is now, and looking back at my time when I was that age and the people that I was around at that age, oh my gosh, survivors and world travelers and (laughs) and engagers of what was going on out there. But this, this child was absolutely clueless. And I call him a child because he had not yet reached adulthood. Oh, somebody might be offended that I speak of a high schooler that way, but this kid was so caught up in everything else about himself and his social media, and yet he didn't even know how to work this thing that he carried in his hand and had his face glued into. But I had to help him, and he's just sitting, I'm trying to get questions and find out and trying to get him to help me help him. And I asked him where he's going, and he just turns the phone around and holds up. He's not even paying attention to me. He just turns around for me, and I can't take it from him. I can't, I mean, we're not allowed to do that. And I just finally looked at him and I said, excuse me, young sir, I'm trying to help you. So help me help you. Look Look at the map that you have pulled up. Tell me what the name of this place is that you're going to, what the name of the road is, and an address so I can help you find this place. And I was, oh my God, so finally he took it and he pulled it up and, and just some of the way, the way he talked, the way he spoke. Sorry, but I have to go back in time again. Back in my day, we would not have thought to speak to an adult in a manner of that. And everybody else around was just when he got off and went his direction, they were like, they were, the comments that I heard, They were astounded. This kid is even out in the world on his own. And this was after dark and he was was out on his own. Didn't appear to be homeless, but he was trying to get to an associate's place. Anyway. Back to the tale of the two men. The reality of it is, is probably more. Because one was one way and came to another. You'll understand momentarily, but here the city gets wind of this young man, this this uh, social media influence. So, the, so they go all agog and they want, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This 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 young man, he's oh my gosh, he just he's got millions and millions of followers, and he's coming here, and and oh, we want to make sure that he doesn't post something bad about the city. So we have to make this a real. A real Yahoo day. Yes, we're going to have people out there screaming and hollering. We We should, oh, we need to find out what direction he comes in. We should have a parade. Yes, let's have a parade. Everyone get ready. And they're more concerned that he might post something on social media that belittles the city, degrades the city, and then, oh, my gosh, it's going to ruin everything. These things that we stick our face in and we become so enthralled with give individuals what they think is the authority. And this is what cancel culture is about. This thing that people talk about. They talk about being woke and they talk about cancel culture that they have the power to cancel your business. We can cancel you. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody, Because everyone is so... Wrapped up in this thing, they're going to cancel somebody, they're going to ruin their career, they're going to ruin their lives. They're going to do, sadly, there are businesses and things that that happens to because of these individuals that think that they weld this mighty sword, and we actually give them that power and authority. flip the coin over we have veterans and people that serve this country that that feel that they need to fight for their people's rights and you have them going out to serve and protect those things and many of them <coughs> pardon me sadly give all in doing so and they come home buried no longer walking in this plane of existence. And yet, people are influenced more by entertainment than being thankful for what they're given to have the opportunity to even go there. And they they pay exorbitant amounts of money, and yet, you have members of that ilk that will squander what they have untemporal things that will break and rust and corrode and fall apart. Not all, there are some that do some very good things. But sadly, I think there is a majority that do terrible, mean, nasty things and they treat people like crap. They get paid millions of dollars a year to call themselves heroes by wearing a spandex stretch suit and wearing and chasing around these oddly shaped balls or jumping around and throwing a round ball into this fancy hoop, and then they get out there because somebody stepped on their new tennis shoes, they get in a fist fight into a brawl, and then some take that so-called prowess that they have because they hear somebody jeering them from, you know, they were from the opposing side, but they only had a seat on that team's side, so sitting there, and then the player goes out and punches somebody sitting in their chair watching the game because he didn't like what they said. And still, nothing happens. But these men and women that serve this country are homeless, dealing with issues. What kind of issues are these players dealing with? Oh, I have a post-traumatic stress issue because my Ferrari, my Lotus, my BMW. Oh, my chauffeur took a wrong turn. I have stress disorder. And yet you have men and women that are on this plane of existence sharing with us doing things that these individuals can still have the opportunity to be able to go out and do this thing and act like a complete jackass and yet they're not coming home they come home in a box with a flag draped over it they don't see their children they don't see their husband or their wives anymore why because they're dead And this country treats their veterans like absolute garbage. Then on the flip side, again, you have the superheroes that wear spandex and ill-fitting gym clothing to run around and treat people like crap and get paid millions of dollars for the sport, for entertainment. You have actors and actresses that do the same thing. They run around on the make-believe world. And they get paid millions of dollars for entertainment. (laughs) This is what these influencers, TikTok or whatever you call them, I I don't know what they do, they have this thing there. And so he's coming into town and the city is, it's just absolutely mind-boggling of what the lengths they're going through to get them to make sure that this young person who's not even actually reached his adulthood yet and he's coming to the city with an entourage. The young man gets to the town and their limo breaks down. But the city is tied up. They're very busy for this special occasion. So everything they have is poured out into people that have worked and got their living by putting their hands to the soil so to speak. Everything's taken. Everything's being used. There's nothing left. So he sends a couple members of his entourage out to find something and bring it back to where they're broke down. Pick them up and get them into the city for the celebration. And they come back with a less than great appearing vehicle. It's not nearly the limo that he was hoping for. Something quite a bit less. Just enough room for them to get in and stay together. Barely. They come into town and they come into the main street and you have a fanfare because everyone is on the side of the road and they're crying out to him, Oh, thanks for coming, thanks for coming. But he didn't even have room to be able to get out his little video device and be able to make a video of what's going on. But people are watching him come in and, and they're a bit surprised because, quite honestly, comparatively, he's in a heap. But he comes in and they cry out to him and they holler and they scream. Oh, yay, yay for coming to our town. Yay, yay, yay for coming to our town. Wow, wow, wow. And then they get to the grandstands where everybody is supposed to be meeting and uh, it's not as good as the city had hoped it would be. And they're disappointed. But then you have this other man, son of God, you have this person who comes and gives up his throne. Unlike the young man who is concerned about everything about himself, you have anointed of God Christ Jesus who is concerned about everyone else except what he has or what he is. He's concerned with everyone else. And he comes from heaven. He gives up his throne. He sits down his crown. And he comes here. He's born in a stable. His very first bed in this plane of existence is a manger. In some stables, they were a collapsible triangular device some of them folded some of them didn't but they put the hay in it to keep that up out of the out of the soil many barns or stables didn't have a solid floor it was dirt so they put the hay up to feed them to keep it out of dirt and that's where this other man Jesus was born laid in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloth what is swaddling cloth? swaddling cloth is what was used to wrap around the lambs and help the ewe give birth if there was difficulty and they would wrap the lamb in it so they could take it out and it would be covered with their blood now I'm sure that when Jesus was born that this 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 cloth wrapped around him was and maybe I wasn't there and the Bible doesn't say if it was or it wasn't. But it was wrapped around Jesus to keep him warm. And I find that to be an interesting thing because the sacrificial lamb was born in a stable wrapped in swaddling cloth. that was used to birth the lamb. And this was our sacrificial lamb coming to our earth. And then we're going to jump ahead Or fast forward, one might say. And there was a special day. A special day. And Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And he was coming on this day. And his entourage didn't know what they were going to have to to have him to ride into the city on. He should make an entrance. After all, this is the Messiah. The sent to earth king of kings. And this is what rang out through the people's shouts and hollerings and what many were praying for this this person, this man to show up that they had been praying for many for their entire lives. The Messiah. And he sent a couple members of his entourage out. He said, you go to this place and you're going to find a, a cult. Bring it to me so I can Enter. They went out and they found this donkey was tied to the wall. And they came out and told the owner that the Lord needed use of the colt. He said, Of course, of course, of course. They came back and he sat on this thing and he rode into the city. And I'm quite certain that there were mixed feelings going on and looks on people's faces. I didn't quite understand some. And there were others that were caught up in what was going on in this celebration. And they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. He came in. And then there were those that were looking and they were looking at each other and starting to murmur and, and talk about this, that this is our Messiah, the conquering king, the king of kings. They didn't know what to think. He didn't come in on a majestic steed with his army of followers that were coming in with their shields and spears and shiny armor that he was going to conquer the Romans and chase them away. That wasn't happening. They, they didn't understand. Yahweh, what, what are you doing? But there were many caught up in this celebration. They kept crying out to Jesus. And then he took occasion to, to teach and to share, to heal, to touch and love, to give back to others and not take for himself. and he shared that with everyone but there was a group, a core group they believed themselves to have authority they believed themselves to be in charge of everything and everyone they conscripted hired one of Jesus' followers to betray him for pieces of silver to set it up so that they could take him. And these others that consider themselves to be influencers or in charge of anything that they could be, caught up in the mem and <coughs> caught up in their vestige, caught up in what they could make and what they could have and how they can influence people and what they wore and caught up in the finery and the and tapestries and money. And they were the all-authority. They were the all-knowing. They knew everything about the law, the law, the law. The Torah, the Torah, the Torah. But they did not. And they didn't like it when this man who came riding in on a colt, a donkey colt into their fair city, was telling them, you read the word of God, but you don't even see or understand or know the truth when it stands before you, right before your eyes, and you say, no, no, no. And they called him the son of the devil, and that he was working for the devil, and of course he corrected them. He said, well, that would be like a house divided. It could not stand. It could not survive. How am I going to cast out demons by calling on the name of the very one that I'm casting out? They didn't get it. They didn't understand. But then it came time for Judas Iscariot to do his deed. And he did when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer and taking some of his followers with him, his disciples went. but They fell asleep. And he continued in prayer. And they continued sleeping and napping. They weren't paying attention. So, when the Romans, Herodians, and members of the guard for the Sanhedrin, the temple guards, when they showed up to put their hands on Jesus, and they came in and Jesus still had a rebuke for him because he looks around and he says why do you come to put your hands on me in this manner when i was amongst you so long and you had every opportunity to put your hands on me and be seen but now you come in the cover of darkness you feel safe you feel brave you know he <clears throat> What was her reason for doing it that way then? And they had Romans, Herodians, and you had the temple guard. Now, you have to understand, the Jews had put themselves in kind of a tough spot. They didn't like the Romans. The Romans hated them because the Romans were the all-powerful. Now, the Herodians, they were Herod's own entourage, his guards, and they didn't like them either because they were sinful and dirty, lustful people, Hmm. calling the kettle black. And, And then, of course, you had the temple guards who were high and mighty because the Sanhedrin had sent them. Now they were all working in convolution to take Jesus and take him into custody, which they did. And then this man was taken he was tried and and the judge who tried him took him from this festival day and took him into custody for doing nothing except being the son of God a healer a teacher a mender, a fixer and all she did was come to shed light into the dark place, but because Mammon appreciates darkness more than they do light, they didn't understand it. They didn't get it, which is why the Sanhedrin, when he spoke in parables, they just looked at each other and said, "What? What did? The, what did he say? What is he saying?" They didn't understand. And then they took him before the judgment, which was Pontius Pilate, the Roman who was in charge of their region, who had government control. And he said, I see no fault in this man. He did, through all of their ramblings and their rantings and their ravings and their accusations, Pontius Pilate weighed it. He thought about it, and he listened to what they had to say, but he saw that Jesus did nothing that warranted what they were calling for. Why should he be crucified? Why should he be hung on a cross by us for doing nothing wrong? And when he washed his hands in the basins of that, He was saying, I want nothing to do with what you're doing. I've already told you and established my findings in this court that you demanded to be convened. And I told you that he was not guilty in my eyes. He did nothing wrong. And yet you still want my men to crucify him. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take him into custody and we're going to beat him up really good. Make him think twice about anything he does in the future. And then we're going to let him go. No, no, crucify him, crucify him, they yelled. And they even spread money and coins around to those in the crowd to take up their cry. Who were earlier in the street crying out when Jesus came by. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, we pray, save us, we pray. Now they're crying, crucify him, crucify him. Hmm. And then they continued to Golgotha, place of the skull. And they took his hands and his feet, and they drove spikes through his hands and his feet. And this flesh that was beaten and torn from his bones and the sinews. He he was beaten so mercilessly. Then he was hung on this cross. Pardon me. And yet, at the last, before he gave up his ghost, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Still thinking about others over himself. He's dying. He's about ready to die. And still concerned at the last for what he could do for those that were killing him. And then Mr. TikToker, of course, or whatever they call them these days, Mr. Video, he was just angry and upset because he didn't have a big old limo to drive in. And then the culmination of this thing that Jesus had promised would happen I'm going to rise again on this third day that you all are declaring this holy time but you're going to kill me I'm going to rise on this third day the temple will be rebuilt it will be torn down but in three days of course again you had the Sanhedrin that had no idea what he was talking about show us how you're going to do this oh he did Oh, he did. Oh, he did. And the stone was rolled away so that those that were following and those that knew him could see that he was gone. And the angel standing on the stone that was rolled away, that was in a field away from the sepulchre. Whom do you seek? The man, Jesus, that you look for is not here. And then for 40 days, he was seen by literally hundreds of people. And they knew that he had indeed risen, and his followers found him. He found them in some hiding in the locked upper room because they were afraid that the Jews and the Jews were, they had, they had now just crucified the one. And now they felt empowered. So they began chasing down witch hunting, if you will, the believers and followers, the disciples feared for their lives. So they locked themselves in this upper room discouraged, not encouraged, frightened, not empowered. And then appearing in the group, they were all huddled around. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And there stood Jesus. Peace. Peace in your hearts. Peace I bring to you. Peace I give to you. Not as you will find in this world but my peace that is far beyond our understanding. Our concept of love and our concept of peace is on the mammon plane of existence and thought. But his peace, taken from him and given to us. Powerful. Powerful. Far deeper than anything we can imagine. Stop trying to figure all these things out. Stop it. Stop. So, this man came as the only begotten Son of God. He walked on this earth, walked on this earth as a man. If he fell, he skinned his knee. If he smacked his thumb with a mallet, it hurt. He wasn't walking around and coasting through this life. Jesus was in this life. Jesus was in this life. Also know this too, that he can truly He doesn't sympathize with anybody. Jesus does not sympathize. He empathizes. He empathizes with us. He knows grief. He knows sorrow. He knows pain. He knows these things because he lived these things. And in the book of the prophets, it says he is a man of many sorrows. He had relatives die. He saw them die in front of him. He saw them die right there. While he was away teaching, he had members die. He came back because of the the begging from Martha for Lazarus. And he rose Lazarus because it was a time for the glory of God to be shown. The weeping that Jesus did on that day wasn't because his heart was broke. I'm sure it was because he was very dear to him. But he was crying because you had all these these wailers and moaners and hollowers and cry <laughs> criers that are paid to come and cry at someone's funeral. They get paid to do that. And they're out making a spectacle of themselves. And they didn't even know him. They said, Oh look, he cries. He's sad. No, he's crying because your faith is so pitiful and it breaks his heart because he already knew that he was bringing Lazarus back so it had nothing to do with the fact that he had died. And he did. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And they looked and beheld, here comes Lazarus coming out of the tomb bathe him, clean him, he is alive. So you have these influencers, you have one who is influencing and all about self, and all about self-centeredness, all about who's looking at me, who's watching me, and we feed that, we feed that. We actually make that person, (laughs) we actually make that person quite wealthy. And adversely and sadly, the greatest influencer ever, Jesus, the almighty, only begotten son of God, crucified for our name's sake. Yeah, you know, people that cry out against that. And anyone that believes in that, they try to cancel them with cancel culture. It sort of backfired on, on folks, didn't it? You had some influencers that were radicalizing what they were doing, the, the young women who believed and they would not give up their faith and they banded together, but not in confrontation. But then you had this other group that was totally confrontational and actually had become physically confrontational on several occasions thinking that they were all mighty and powerful and they were pulling the strings and they were in charge, except it all backfired. And then the leader of the band got booed and kicked off the stage. Didn't work out so well, did it? But these others, they just continue walking because their faith that they would not give up carried them through. The Lord is still with them. But if they're doing what they should be doing and they're about their father's business, they should be praying for all those that came against them. So this tale I shared with you, one who is self-serving, self-righteous, arrogant and obnoxious, because he can't get what he wants and it can't be his way and then you have the other when everything is not for his way and he knows that and he works at making it so it's not Jesus Christ went through some great effort to make sure that people realized it was not All about him. Brothers and sisters. I share this with you. Because we need to think. About what we are. And what we're about. We get so caught up in our self-righteous attitudes. Oh how dare you. I'm not self-righteous. You? Who do you think you are? Oh wait a second. Now you're showing out that you are right there. Because you're becoming offended at something that someone said about you? If the shoe fits, put it on and walk in it. If it doesn't, then don't get your knickers in a twist and get all upset about it. But truth is truth. If it applies, then you need to be in the word and talking to God and the Holy Spirit to straighten it out. Don't get offended and try to get in somebody's face because you didn't like something that was said. What? You didn't like the fact that you weren't making your free throws, so you get hollered at, so you walk up and you punch a guy in the face. I've seen some of these terrible incidences where there are children involved. But this basketball hero is so upset that he forgets that the kids are in between him and dad or uncle or who's ever with them. And knocks over the seat that the child's in, knocks him to the ground, and nothing happens to the player, nothing. Oh, he makes too much money. We can't, we can't do that. Pray for this. Pray for the healing of this nation. Pray that that the power of God and the Holy Spirit will draw the nation back into revealing truth that God is indeed, our Father. And that this nation can be, once again, one nation under God. And we need to be thankful of the things that we have instead of, in so many cases, well, I gotta do this, I gotta get this, I gotta do that, it's all about, but our gratitude toward God and knowing that He is sovereign over all things, He created everything. And we need to remember that. When we gripe about so many things, thank you, Father, for teaching me, Holy Spirit, for guiding me in this. Our complaints is actually, it's telling God that he's not managing quite well. Oh, yes, he is. Father, thank you for that forgiveness. But God is controlling. And what we have to do is we have to walk in faith and know that he is with us always, constantly with us. And though it may not look like he knows what he's doing and it may not appear that he is with us, but remember, appearances are a matter of perspective. My perspective is from a faith side. And I pray that all of us would be able to do that. And we can't see what God sees or know what God knows and realize that he's walked before us in this day and he knows what's coming. And he's with us through it all the time. And he tells us that. And because of his love for us, he doesn't allow us to see certain things that are going on because this is on a spiritual plane of existence, something that would be a frightening place for many. Frightening. Seeing the demonic powers that are walking around and the minions that are working for Satan. And we see them in their reality, not this mask that they have on. But we see how they really are. And we know that the battle is real, but God doesn't let us see that. What he lets us see is when we look out our windows or going back and forth to work is that we see something else. And just remember that we are walking in faith and not by sight. We walk in belief of God's power and sovereignty and not on what we see around us. Isaiah is given a vision, and he sees God sitting on his throne. And those that were in the throne room with him are calling out, Holy, holy, holy. And he is holy. He's our Father. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, Reminds us about faith. 2 Corinthians 5 reminds us by faith. We walk and not by what we see. And we're reminded in, in Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica that we need to remember that we have to thank God through everything that we do thank God for the learning opportunity and his strength even when it doesn't seem in our view that we're going the right way faith tells me that I'm always going the right way even when I fall down and bump my head, skin my knees God's ready to pick me up hug me give me a kiss and say hey you fell down, but you didn't fail. That's all these things are. See, Satan tries to get us to believe that we're failures. When we, when we might fail at a first attempt at something or that we don't get it done exactly the way it was supposed to be done, and then he starts pumping this, these lies into your head. Oh, you're a failure. You can't talk to God. Now you can't be the word. How can you possibly think yourself worthy to be in the Word of God when you just blew that, and he didn't even want to talk to you anymore. You can't bother going to church. If you go to church, you're actually going to go to church and let people see you after what you did. And this is what Satan wants us to believe pointing the finger of condemnation, spewing the words of blame, guilt, darkness. Or in faith, are you going to say, Father, you saw me fall. I'm sorry. I, I failed this test, but I want to get up and I want to keep retesting. I want to keep going. I want to keep trying. I want to walk with you. And here we go again. God reaches in, pulls you in tight, gives you a bear hug like unbelievable. He gives you a God hug that it's just, oh my gosh. Stretches out his arms pulls you back in, gives you a kiss on the brow, and says, of course I do. Of course I forgive you. I love you. Of course I forgive you. And that's what Jesus coming here to this plane of existence was all about. It was the sacrificial lamb. Interesting that he was born in Bethlehem. And and interesting too is that Bethlehem, um, in Hebrew it means house of bread. In Arabic it means house of meat. And there's a couple of scriptures. I'm gonna find those out and share them with you. Not now. But it's called in Arabic it's called house of meat. It's very interesting because scriptures relating to that. Jesus being both. Jesus called himself the bread of life. The Bible is called the bread of life. And he was born in Bethlehem, house of bread. He was born in a stable, laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth, which was used to birth lambs that were in difficulty to help the ewe give birth. The sacrificial land coming to heaven was born humbly, entered the city humbly on a donkey colt, not on a majestic steed as a warrior king, which is what so many were expecting, the warrior king. And when he entered as the humble servant of man, they didn't know what to do. So what did they do? They crucified him. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers and my going out, my coming in, daily. And tomorrow we celebrate in this day and time that we're in the rising of Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, as he promised that he would do. He promised to rise on the third day. And tomorrow being the third day, That we gather together and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ who when it comes time we will be like him. Have a good day.